We might just be in France, but this is global. These players are icons, their stories are noble in fact. Each story into the game is golden. It's way more than just a game. It's a player's story into the pitch and all that she overcame. It's football 2019 and this is its brand new face. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Yo, 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 I'm Heath. I'm Monkey. And this is Football Inside Out. Monkey, by the way, you're, you're allowing me to do this again because of my freestyle yesterday. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. coming to you every single day from the Copa 90 Clubhouse in Paris, bringing you all the excitement from the 2019 Women's World Cup in France. Please hit subscribe as well if you haven't done so already so you never miss an episode. And coming up today, we are hearing from Reading midfielder Farah Williams. And as part of our Unsung Icon series, we're looking at some of the people who are working hard behind the scenes of women's football. Today, we hear from director of Girl Power Organization and captain of the Afghanistan women's team, Khalida Papal. But first up, these are the five things that you need to know going into your day. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Number one, Germany versus Nigeria finishes 3-0. Wow. Yeah. Germany came to life. They turn up. Yeah, and not only that, but Alexandra Pop, uh, Germany's captain, marked her 100th appearance. Century Club. It's a good club to be in. And her 48th goal. International goal. Yeah, and that was the match winner. I know. Not bad. Not bad for a day's work. Yeah, I mean, Germany, finally, finally more impressive. Yeah, I mean, they didn't impress us in the uh, group stages so much, but now they've come through and they've come alive. And we've spoken a lot about uh, managing a tournament as a whole, and they might have just uh, caught us by surprise. Where was Asisat Oshuala? I don't know. I I, I haven't read anything or seen anything, but she definitely didn't start. I feel like I did not see her on the pitch. No? Well, we don't know why. I might find out I was wrong there, but based on my two eyeballs, I looked on uh, LiveScore wasn't there we will investigate uh number two norway versus australia went into extra time then penalties and norway took the win there is so much talk about in this game probably the most exciting game no definitely the most exciting game of the tournament so far yeah but i i have always found a balance for the necessary evil of referees i'm losing that balance yeah there were there were two were two var decisions ruled out for two possible penalties and I think it was one for each country. So it was a bit tit for tat. One of, the, one of them, she was brave enough to call a penalty, go see the VAR, and then take back. But actually, some everyone thinks it was a handball. Yeah, but Monkey, we're, I think we're technically either at 20 or over 20 VAR so far in this World Cup, yeah, which crazy. is ludicrous. It's crazy. And it's, I mean, and it's just a lot of inconsistencies. Yeah, we, t- yeah, we spoke about inconsistencies in the last podcast. We don't have, actually know the rules anymore. <laughs> have you ever made a decision and you knew you were wrong, but at least you wore it with like confidence and you just have to like take it to your grave? I would rather them do that and just have this arrogant attitude of like, no, I'm the ref, I'm in control here, than this constant VAR being like, well, I've got somebody else watching too. Yeah, I guess you can't do that now with VAR. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also Australia missed... Two penalties in the penalty shoot-off. It was an intense game. PKs. PKs, yeah. I, th- I also think uh, there was a potential potential red card on Sam Kerr. I agree. But also, Australia ended up getting a red card. If the, US, if the US wins the World Cup, will you say PKs on the show? Is that fair? Once. I'll say it once. Okay, fair. Number three. Um, heroes welcome. Hundreds of proud Argentine fans flocked to the Buenos Aires airport 
to greet their returning World Cup players. That's cool. That is very cool. Yeah. I would have liked to be part of that group, but unfortunately we are in France. It would be nicer. Yeah. I mean, it is cool to see though, because of all the things happening in the Argentinian league, as well as just for women's rights in general, uh, and just sort of the progress that's happening there to know that it didn't live and die by a tournament and based on their sort of progress and how far they go wasn't the, uh, the only factor as to how the country and the people there would respond. Yeah, Welcome and hopefully this arms. will build on their next tournament and there'll be more away fans. Hang on one sec, going back to your point, what happens if England win the World Cup? What do you have to do? I'll say pens, mate. <laughs> okay. That sounded Australian. Yeah, that was a bit Australian. We'll work on the accent. Yeah. Uh, number four, world football. Uganda recorded their first Africa Cup of Nations win in 41 years as they pulled off a surprise win against Congo, putting them top of the group against Egypt, uh, who are hosting on goal difference. Wow. Go on, Congo. I mean, Uganda, not Congo. They're lost. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The first African Cup of Nations win in 40... <laughs> that is a long time. Imagine not winning for 41 years. Wouldn't you just like, screw this, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, do you think that they went into this going like, how many times do you think in the last 41 years were they like, today is the day? And they were like, <laughs> they, they lose. Not to take the piss, but like, then finally it happened. Somebody was like, today is the day. And they were like, shut up, sit down. <laughs> but they actually won. That's amazing. There's someone, there's someone going, I told you. I told yeah, you, I told I told you, you today so. was the day. Yeah. You have to trust me. I'm, I'm your captain now. Give me the captain's band. Number five, going into today. Yes. England play against Cameroon. Um... And then the winner will play against uh, Norway, right? Yep. That's going to be some matchup. Big game. I'm hoping um, that Norway, like, if England win, Norway are physically and emotionally absolutely knackered from what they've just been through. I mean, it's a huge favor to whoever wins that game. I'm assuming England will win. But, like, that is a huge favor. 120 minutes. They look completely they look, beat down yes, at the end. Did, and that yeah. pitch looked heavy. And then the other match, France versus Brazil. Mm-hmm. And the winner of that will play either the USA or Spain. Do you, if when that match happens, are you planning on going to that? It's in Paris. Will you be the here? The France USA game. Yeah, I would absolutely love to go to that game if I'm here in okay. Paris and not in Ibiza. That's the plan. Can All we right. go together? Let's let's try and make a trip out of this. Yeah. Deal. Well, who's going to do the podcast? We can just Matt. You want to do podcast? Oh, yeah. oh, we're all going. <laughs> we're all in. It's a road trip. Um, yeah, so that's it. Those are the games, and those are the five things you need to know going into your day. Copper 90. How you doing, Heath? I'm good. Uh, they have this thing right now in Paris, Paris. It might be all over France, but I haven't uh, checked for myself. Yeah. Called La Fête de Musique. Festival of Music. Is that the direct translation? I... Maybe. I travel. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what it is, is apparently it's, I don't, I don't know how the best way to compare it when I heard about it was that, oh, there's going to be like live musicians and bands on the streets. And it's sort of like a festival where everybody just sort of walks around and you have music. And then as the day started to kind of ramp up, there was like people were putting massive speakers outside of their like bars on the terrace, mm-hmm. but like speakers you would put at like a f- music festival, not in front of a bar. Right. Like big, yeah. sub, like... Big, yeah, just, just loud. Systems. And then yeah. next door would be another set of speakers playing their own loud music. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. You just kind of cruise around. Went and played football last night, came back into the city, and it was like The Walking Dead. <laughs> like, it was... 
in a good Mardi way. Mardi Gras meets uh, spring break meets like just think of any time that people have just had the Fourth of July. Yeah, like all of that mashed it into one is what it actually ended up being. Of Were just there like, people with beads around their necks? Oh yeah, there was yeah? The glitter on the faces, yeah. beads around the. I mean, I don't know if people were getting like the beads thing like you have in Mardi Gras, but it was full blown like excuse to just be an absolute have a party. Shit show. Yeah, yeah I, I heard like a drum, like a drumming band walk down my street last night for like a good hour. I was like, what was that? First, I thought it was a train, and then after ten minutes, I was like, that train is really long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, oh no, wait, it's, it's a drumming band. But yeah. also, just why is the train going down your street? Yeah, I was like, either way, I didn't know. Yeah, that's a sign that like you're you. Everyone should be sleeping because you're thinking of. Things like that. Also, I had a bit of a rough way home from football last night. How was football, by the way? I was, was, was glad I can come. It was actually really fun. I was, I'd, I'd had a, um, next door to the clubhouse, they have happy hour every day and they have mm. um, buy one, get one free. The bar literally next door? Yeah. I didn't know that. And I got a vodka martini. And it, they filled it to the top. And I was like, oh, okay, makes sense. Like, it's greens, you know, like a little bit more earth conscious to give me two in one cup. Yeah. Turns out that was one. Oof. Then they served me up the other, but it was like martini poured to the brim. So I had those two. And then the idea of playing football didn't sound that great anymore. Um, also went for a run in the morning because I was convinced that everybody was going to do what I did after work and just start drinking and then go like, ah, yeah, we probably shouldn't go. Uh, but everybody went and, and I ended up having a good time. You did? What, did you win? We lost oh, actually. So Le Ballon, who's one of the organizers of our clubhouse here. Mm -hmm. uh, they also have like a, a Le Ballon in Japan, I believe. And it's a bunch of these guys that work in fashion are here for Fashion Week and just really, really good time. But a, a really high quality level, actually. Japanese days, don't they? Japanese yeah. days, yeah. Um, and all really, really, really cool. But uh, came back into the city, got on an Uber jump bike. For those that don't know, that is the electric assist bike in uh, metropolitan cities around the world. And it makes pedaling really easy. You just sort of half pedal and it sort of shoots you forward. Turns out that I'm pretty sure Jump or Uber turned those off because of the festivals. Oh. And it's a very, very heavy bike. And I had run in the morning and then played football for an hour and a half and then had to ride multiple miles from where I got dropped off to my apartment through the crowds of like insanity. It was literally like a scene of walking dead. And I'm like <laughs> pedaling through trying to like, like all streetlights were disregarded. I had heard from one of the people I was playing football with yesterday that like the emergency rooms were insane already. Oh, just really? like broken ankles and like all kinds of stuff. It was, it was pretty insane by, by midnight. I can imagine it being a bit like carnival in London. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think carnival in London, apart from maybe like Rio is like the biggest street carnival. It's definitely the biggest street carnival in Europe. Is it a Caribbean styled or a Brazilian? I mean, I guess they're all, they it's all like come from like Af Afro-Caribbean yeah. like heritage, I think carnival comes from, but like, is it a more it's, of like... A, it's it's a, such a mix because it's, it's basically around like sound system music, but that can be anything from like Jamaican, like music from Jamaica or like jungle or like garage. What sound system music? Um, so sound system music, I think basically the history of it is it would be like two sound systems, so two groups of people, and they would be battling it out. And it was all about like the people that you would bring and the MCs that you would bring, but it'd also be about how good the sound system was and how loud your sound system was, but also how good it sounded, not just like really, really loud. So it's all kind of based around that culture, but it's amazing. It's a great, it's, That's really it's a cool. free street party that goes on in West London for a whole bank holiday weekend in August, and it's absolute mayhem, but it's wicked. Yeah. 
a friend of mine goes to there. He's from Trinidad and he goes to Carnival every year down in Trinidad and they like party for a week with his like family and stuff. Like everyone goes out and it's like him, his, I think wife, his mm. brother, his dad, and they're all basically like short shorts, no shirts for like a week. Um, so have you ever been to a carnival before? I haven't. I've always wanted to go to Brazil. It looks crazy. Yeah, me too. That'd be great. Uh, there's always like small versions of things in, in towns around the U.S. that have kind of a multicultural population. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll have their own versions of it. But I've never really been been to one myself. It's also Pride Month here. Well, everywhere. But it's... it's uh obviously being celebrated through this month so i feel like there's so much going on this month Um, including some great matches today england cameroon france brazil would you think that of all of the possibilities that england got a pretty good matchup or do you think i think so yeah um, no i I think anyone once once you get through to to knockout stages anyone's going to be tough but i think that we did draw one of the weaker teams um Cameroon finished third, so they were one of the third place teams. Brazil finished third. That's true as well. But France, if they go all the way to the quarters and the states do as well, they're going to meet each other, which is quite interesting. That is. It's a tragic ending for someone. For somebody, If yeah. they get there. I mean, like exactly. you said, once you get to the knockout rounds, it changes. The whole dynamic changes. It doesn't really matter how you got there. Anything can happen. Yeah, basically everything else that happened in the tournament is irrelevant. It doesn't matter now. Yeah. And people peak and they drop off people, teams, um, at different stages of the tournament. And like you said in the past, like sometimes it's better not to peak early. So I'm hoping that England will have a steady rise in the competition. It's actually a philosophy that they try to stick to as well in, in Major League Soccer in the U.S., mm is to not peak early because you have a lot of teams come out flying eight eight matches unbeaten and then they hit their lull towards right before because there's a playoff system so you're trying to hit your peak heading into the playoffs that you want to be rounding into form of a full season and not have making the playoffs but come off like a rough like you made it because you had a good stint in the middle of the season or the early part of the season yeah you want to be sort of hitting that stride at the end uh to be in form instead of just being like an okay season and sometimes we forget as well because we get excited about the tournament but it's a bit of a strange period for players because they've literally either just finished a season and some of them have like two days off it's like Tony Duggan had two days off between the Champions League final and going into camp or they're still in season so all the the US soccer girls they're still technically in season the season's carrying on without them so they don't get much of a break and the further you get down in the tournament, because you have so many games in such a short amount of time, your body's wearing out quicker because, you know, you've just literally finished however many months of football. Tony Duggan's back now from injury. She played the last game, so I'm excited to see her get back into the match. You know what's interesting, though, is we obviously, we had uh, Abby Wambach in, uh, did another podcast with her, which you guys will all get to hear soon. Mm. But what she was saying is that even the, the 23rd player that hasn't played a minute is still not 100% because yeah. of all of the factors of... It's just a high-stress environment, right? And not only that, but you're coming off whether the middle of the season, long season, injuries, personal stuff. Even the player who hasn't set foot on the field maybe took like a hit in training has got a little knock. You know, you like multiple times a week when you're training like that as you know you're sort of battling something because you're competing it's not like you're just sort of jogging around and then you play matches like you're competing in training and everybody's carrying something which is have you ever hidden an injury because you wanted to play i think if you're hiding an injury 
like a real injury, yeah. you'll get found out. Yeah. Like you probably wouldn't be able to survive 90 minutes. I remember catching like a little hamstring, like a minor, minor pop in the hamstring and then sort of playing at 60% for the rest of the match. This is the worst thing I could have done. Why did you want um, to stay on? What game was it? I think it was probably the fourth or fifth hamstring injury that I had had in my career. And I was at a point where I just wanted to almost pretend it didn't exist, you know, and that, oh, this felt different because it was tiny and it must not have been a de- big deal. I, maybe it was just like some scar tissue from previous injuries that was sort of breaking up. And I just sort of ignored it and could sort of played up to like fourth gear instead of like, I guess uh, six gears finished the match and then immediately regretted it after. Was it like a power thing? You know, when you like push off, you couldn't generate that power to sprint. Yeah, like you couldn't get into that sort of full extension right. where you really are firing on your hamstring. You could put a lot more of the the burden on your quads or or your hips or your glutes and not really, you know, like you said, like even when you have a hamstring injury, you could usually go out and go for a slow jog the yeah, next day, yeah. unless it's really bad. Because you're not really activating your hamstrings, but as soon as you go into that full extension is where, you know, it, you, you start to see what Feel the problems it. are. I've only popped my hamstring once. It's the weirdest feeling. Like, you know. You know when it's gone. <laughs> like, I had a really bad one before. Which number was that, though? You said you had a few. Number one. It was, yeah. it was sort of the kickoff of all those things. Uh, so from there, it just became a consistent thing over time. And one that happened like once a season. I would do my hamstring once a once season. Once a season. Yeah. And it was like four to six weeks. So we have our first unsung icons package for today. And it's a really, really interesting one. Um, this is from Kalida Popal. The unsung icons. My name is uh, Kalida Popal. I'm former captain of Afghanistan Women's National Team and currently uh, um, leader and founder of uh, God Power Organization. I had quite a journey, like long journey from Afghanistan where I started playing football as a first woman um, who, who brought the culture of women's football in the country. But unfortunately, we were attacked by, by people from society where they took the ball that we were playing with and they, sm- they damaged that ball. And then they say to us that women belongs to kitchen football is not for women and women is not made for football and that was like the time that we stood up together as a as a team as a group of um women together and we stood united and said that we are taking this as a mission in life we will go we are going to use football as a tool to empower women of our country we're going to stand for our right and right of women in our country we were facing a lot of challenges in society because like basically in like everywhere around the world, football is known as man's game. And especially if women start playing football, uh, even in a well-developed countries, unfortunately the man stands and say like, it's something like you're taking from them. It's like, this is ours. You cannot play football because you're women or because you're from different gender. Gapa organization is established in 2014. The idea of establishing my uh, organization um, came from the time that I was in asylum center and I met women in asylum center where they were suffering from depression and trauma that they had from their country. And the only thing I could help them was through football, through sports. And I used that power again to help the women to come through the depression and stressful situation in asylum centers. and. From that time, um, 
I started like established this organization to empower refugees, empower and include refugees in, in, in society. Football is a strong tool. Football is powerful game and it is, it's exciting, it's magical game. And that's the only thing I, I know. I've come over a lot, especially, especially being from a very male dominated country where women is known as a second class second citizen of the country where where even like an example where giving a birth to a baby girl is still a taboo or shame in my country when I see women football when I see Afghanistan has women's football when I see FIFA ranking and I see the name of my country I feel very proud and happy because when they told me that you're not allowed to play football and you you will embarrass the country, you will embarrass the nation by standing and playing football. Today, when I see women wearing the national team jersey with the badge on, on the chest, I feel proud. By playing football, I started realizing the power of women. And I love being women because women is powerful. The power, the strength that women has, it's 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 amazing, it's incredible. And it's because of football, and I love that. Football has proven that um, it brings the, the society together. It, football has proven in so many countries, in so many nations, that the, it brought the divided communities together, despite the, 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 the culture, the, the religion, the color, race, gender. It's about unity, it's about power. And it is a beautiful game. It doesn't matter if how poor you are or how rich you are. If you are the president's uh, son or daughter or if you are a son or, or daughter of a, a regular man. If you have talent, it's a kind of a public game. Like people love you and they don't see what is your title, who is your father, what is your money, what is their status. But like, it's like you can win so many hearts by playing football and playing on, on that pitch. Afghanistan is a war-torn country. It's war zone. It is like decades and decades of war has affected a lot the, um, the mindset of people in the society. Like our generations and generations were kept away from education and the mindset of, of man, the way it is made, like it's the man that the way that they are brainwashed is that women should be servant, women should be home, sh women should be, should be just like a machine, produce, clean, wash, and that's, that's the job of women. And then man should go out and do all the things that man need to do and also sport is for man, but not for women we are changing the culture and and it is actually changing and like after the taliban left like um lost the power and now when we compare now it is actually there is a lot of development and there are for example the women's national team football team basketball volleyball and then there are like few activities in in um, in bigger cities than the rural cities but uh, it's happening. It's um, changes happening. It takes time. Copper ninety football inside. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Kalida there um, with uh, like an amazing story watching her describe how hard it was for her to even be able to kick a ball without any backlash was crazy she comes from a place where or she said she comes from a place where you know women were treated like or are treated like second class citizens so it's, I don't know it's bizarre it's such a mad thing to even think about it's really hard to wrap your head around I mean it we saw not a similar thing, but last year when we were in Russia for the World Cup, there was a mentality of sort of like the older post-Soviet era of people uh, coming from this sort of like post-communist era where it was just a different thought process, right? And imagine coming into the era of internet that's connected, but you're being sort of for a long period, Russia was disconnected, had their own sort of like service and there was like blockages of outside information. But now yeah. it's sort of like... The movement of information is free now, but there's still a connection to like this old, old thinking and, and, and the sort of tornness. Imagine growing up in Afghanistan as a second class citizen because you're a female and then having the connection to the rest of the world, knowing that it's a completely different place out there. Yeah. It's bad enough it's, that's the, if that's the only thing you ever knew. But when you know that there is a free world uh, where, you know, the U.S. women's national team are fighting for equal pay not the ability to just to play to, to not even play like her story <laughs> yeah. goes way deeper than that yeah. just like on every level of just like the most basic of rights you know yeah. in the way of saudi like fighting for years for women to be able to drive like yeah. it's a completely different like world of of complexities and sadness that isn't about feels like decades and decades or, or hundreds of years apart in terms of what people are fighting for and all, all valid causes obviously in a sense I guess we're so far removed from what that is like, which is why it's really important for stories to be shared like this. Obviously, I think every woman who plays football has got their own story of, you know, having to play with the boys when they were younger or not being able to find a club. But the fact that she feared for her life when she played football is crazy. I can tell you this. If I were to read something like that online, right, some years ago when I was younger... I would have trouble believing it because it's so far from the reality that we live. I'd be like, yeah, there's no, like, you're telling me women can't, like, even kick a football around? Like, uh, literally, it's so hard in the world that we come from to believe that there's a place that exists of humans that think, breathe, do everything that we do, but have zero freedom of expression, of rights. It's like... Like you said, it's impossible for me to even understand or begin to understand what that's like. I just know that it's really fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It was. She was such a cool person as well. Like, really just humble, yeah. actually. And, and when you think about all the shit that she's been through and to come out that humble and... There was no real, like, hatred in what she was saying, which would be quite an easy thing to go to, you know, to hate, to, to feel really bitter about something but she just wanted to do right by the women that were in the same situation as her once upon a time or still are and and not to get too political on things but a lot of 
tensions and problems and rallying of people is when they're down and filled with hatred, right? Mm. To, to turn them towards something negative or towards groups of people that aren't creating difference in the world. Like we see different factions around the world that are all fueled by hatred, right? You've been scorned. You've been, you know, you've been treated poorly. You're this, you're that. And it's all coming from this other place, whether they say the West or the East or whoever it is. And it, and it feels like hatred with hatred, like misery loves company. And somehow she's found a way to sort of be positive with everything, which is amazing because the world needs somebody like her continuing to push that messaging out there. And it's up to us now to continue to help push that forward as well. Yeah. It'd be great to see, see Afghanistan in the world cup. That'd be sick. I wonder when they'll make it for the first time. That would be amazing. Well, I wonder who's going to be like the surprise teams for next World Cup. So they're they're a ranked FIFA team. They are a ranked FIFA yeah. team now. Yeah, I think they're currently FIFA ranked at 142 or something like that. Um, but on to somebody that has played in the World Cup before and also has a very very interesting story. This is Farah Williams. Detours, dead ends, and destinations. As a female growing up, um, opportunities to play, I think yeah. were very limited. Um, I didn't really know anything or about any any clubs, grassroots clubs that I can go and, and play. Um, it was more go to youth club and, and just play there with the lads and yeah, that's where my kind of career took off, just playing with boys and not really knowing anything about women's football and probably never really thinking that female football would ever be you know, where it is today. I just wanted to be better than the boys. I remember playing and all of them were boys and I was the only girl on the estate that played. My sister played for a little bit, she wasn't as good as me. and. That's why she retired, really, at 11. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to be better than my brothers. I was so competitive with my brothers. I think it was just a case of how good can I be, and I always wanted to beat them. And then it wasn't until I was 12 and I was in a tournament, five-a-side tournament, that I got picked up from Fulham. But obviously, being a Chelsea supporter, that wasn't the route I wanted to take. <laughs> so I only lasted a year there before I then signed for Chelsea as a young player. Um, and then sort of later in your teen years, it was documented that you were still playing while you ended up homeless for a little mm. bit. Um, how long? How long were you homeless? Was it six? six? They say yeah, six, five, five, six years. Yeah, yeah, but it was. I wasn't really in the hostel for that period of time mm -hmm. because I obviously was signed to the hostel for that period of time. But I didn't actually live in it for that period of time. But it was just a base in case you know other things failed. I was travelling to Everton at the time for a couple of years while I was there. Um, yeah, it was. You know what? I just see it as it was. It was home at the time. As I say, football was my. I had England, which was a massive focus for me, wanting to be the best player I could be at England, and, and as I said, Everton at the time, and I had you know good coaches in Hope and Mo Marley, who yeah really guided me in the in the right way. I guess like going to football and, and training um, sort of gave you that like not normality, but like something you had something to work and drive towards. So it's not like you didn't have anything to build on; you had everything to build on in in that way, and like a family, I guess, like another football mm -hmm. family as well. Um, how many times were you training, like a week when you were... No, I trained uh, every day in every the hospital, yeah, day. and that was, in, that was the easy part, I think. As you say, if I was, if I was living at home anywhere, I'd probably do the same routine, I'd, yeah. I'd train and go home. And, but yeah, the difficulty was seeing other people, they had nowhere to go. You know, the, the first hostel I went into, we had to be out of it by 8.30 in the morning. You weren't allowed to attend till right. 6. So I had training, I could go and do things and, and be with people. I had a good, you know, friends, set of friends that I could go and, you know, certainly I, I showered and stuff in their house and sat in it with them. So I was quite lucky it was, you know, the other people that was probably more vulnerable than me in that situation where at 8.30 when you get kicked out and you're on the street, where do they go? Did well, they have a job? You yeah. know, that was just the standard of the hotel, uh, sorry, the hostel that they were in. What was it like living in that environment, 
which could be seemed as quite negative but then like in the day being in like a really positive one when you'd come back and like see people that you had to live with I didn't really you, you know what I got to know one of the person <clears throat> one girl she was really vulnerable so I she was somebody that nobody engaged with it with it when in the hostel and I, I felt a little bit sorry for her um her name was Vanessa she was yeah real vulnerable but she was somebody that I only spoke to now and then. I didn't really, I tried to, I don't know why, I just, as I say, I had my football and, and my focus was there and I didn't really get caught up in the whole hostel life, mm -hmm. lifestyle and going on the streets and most of them, you know, turned to drink, drugs. So I was, I, you know, as I say, I was lucky that I had football and it was an escape for me to, to come away from that kind of environment. So I didn't really see everything, but I just know when, you know, in the evening when I'd come back, there'd be lads up and down and girls and, yeah, just on the street. So I was able to switch off and get away from it. When was a turning point for you? When did you see uh, football as a career or did you always see football as a career? No, i never ever seen it as a career. Um, yeah, there was never money in, in women's football for it to be a career. Um, at the time I was in hostel, I was doing you know, silly little jobs, sandwich shop and Safeways at the time and yeah, in the bakery. I mean, I got to eat, so both of them jobs were quite convenient <laughs> considering I needed food at the time. Um, yeah, they, they, they were a good job. But I was never ashamed. Like, I, I was always somebody that knew I had to work and, you know, to pay for training, I had to work. We had to pay £5 a training session back then. That's crazy. So, yeah, there was no other way of doing it other than to go and work. So I chose that over education. Do I regret it now? A little bit I do because I look at, you know, I'm nearly coming to the end of my career. I'm trying to think, you know, what direction do I go in? I know I enjoy coaching and could probably take that route, but, yeah, I would have liked to have got some qualifications behind me other than coaching. Uh, as an option but yeah I had to work to, to play and yeah football was just something that as I say it wasn't out in, in many different ways not just when I was homeless like growing up as a kid just getting out there kicking a the ball released so much from yeah what what was going on at home. You've played in a really pivotal moment in women's football you've seen it in the sort of days where it wasn't established very well and like you said you'd have to pay to play which just actually sounds bonkers now um, and obviously now young girls are getting signed up quite early I think there was a girl in the States got signed she was like 13 oh, really? um, um, which so it's it's a short amount of period of time realistically but so much has changed how's it been being one of those people that's seen it transform yeah I just think I appreciate it more yeah. I think I never thought it was going to happen I think not to say that the young players now coming in don't appreciate it but there's certainly a different value to it for the, for the older generation of players that are still involved and have gone through that transition I think you know, we've had uh, the respect that we have for, for the people that was before, the people that was during that period that helped us, and then obviously the ones that retired now that were, obviously were still going. I think that's the only difference, I, as in people, I, I think the younger players now, ha it's bad to say they have it on the plate, but they do, they have it very easy now. They didn't have to, you, don't, you won't see now in the women's game any good young talent having to go and graft and work and manage, juggle football and, you know, life. I think, you know, they're, they're in a good environment where now you get paid very well to, to do what you love and, and rightly so I think you know it's took a long time for women's football to get where it is and I just hope they appreciate it and you know grab it with both hands but but whilst it's whilst it's good I hope we don't overboard where where, where it buckles and, and it goes like the American League did a few years back where yeah. you know we, we we pay too much and we can't afford to keep up with it I hope it, it steadily progresses like it has done and you know I know now with, with Barclays taking over is a massive deal I, I just hope that yeah we're stable I hope that we're stable are you glad that you went through that that sort of like historical period and you were part of that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I learned so much as a as a player, person. Like growing up with with people that actually had to work and come and train, and like when they come to training, it, it meant so much. 
not as I say, it's not. It's different to compare it now. We we have to. It's our job now. So there's days where you know people are moaning. I think you know what? You wasn't there when you had to go and work for nine hours or whatever, and then come and train. So whilst it's your job and you're doing it for two hours, don't moan. Yeah. And I think that that's the only difference. Like seeing it where where we're only training, you know, one or two hours a week. Uh, sorry, a day uh, for five days a week. It's it's nothing for what we're getting paid. And what we're getting paid now, we weren't getting paid back then, yeah. as you know, in the supermarket as I was working or, or whatever else. So, yeah, appreciate, appreciate it whilst it's here. I, I just think, yeah, it was difficult for me as a young player. I wish I had the opportunities that there are now, and yeah, they should be grateful for them. I think they're fantastic now that the women's game is where it is. Hashtag Copper 90 icons. When she told me, or when I had a moment to step away from that conversation that we had, and I sort of collected my thoughts and thought, at one point she was technically homeless, she was making sandwiches in a shop for a job, and she was paying to play for her country. I was just like, what the fuck? And it wasn't even that long ago. It's crazy to think that the story that we all love, right? Not necessarily love, but we we cherish and we look for in the men's game is this miraculous, once in a lifetime, against all odds, I've made it, we make a documentary out of it. Yeah. This story that we love so much is the majority, like could be a film about 95% of women in football. Yeah. Because the minority, the, the, the rare, rare story that we all search the world for now is literally right next door. And it's most women have a crazy story on their journey to getting where they're going. And that's a, a spectacular one too. I mean, unique in itself, but like mm. the majority of them have these, not necessarily that type of story, but a story that's worth hearing. Yeah, where, where are Netflix at? This is, they need to do a serious documentary on some of the women's players that are involved in this World Cup the, and in past World Cups too. The idea should be that you're growing the game and the sport to a point where these stories no longer exist. Yeah, 100%. Right? When you want to tell that story, you've got to research that for a year to find that story or you've got to research forever instead of saying, hey, you're a professional footballer. What's your story? And you go, holy shit. And then they go, what, you, th- you think mine's crazy? Ask the person sitting next to me. And yeah. you want to eliminate those for the next generations. Guess what, production companies? We've done the research for you, and now you've listened to it on the podcast. And so go make a film about it. Yeah, share their messaging. And you can give me any credit if you like. If you like, you know, fancy it. So cool. Even photo credit. Would yeah, be that's cool. Yeah, or just post, a review. Post a picture and yeah, <laughs> or review us on uh, everywhere you get your podcasts from. Um, so that's it. Another one done. Another podcast. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I hope you've enjoyed us. Please leave us a review if you have. Or, you know what, if you haven't, you can leave us a review too. Yeah, it's never too late. And uh, sign up for the newsletter head to copa90.com slash wc19 and click or tap on copa90 france daily to sign up and also go to copa90.com and go into our store we've got a store now mm-hmm. lots of cool stuff uh and centered around the world cup so don't miss out on those get your merch here and uh <laughs> get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you send us emails and voice notes to football inside out at copa90.com we'd love to share your thoughts on the show and tweet us using the hashtag copa90 inside out and we will see you all tomorrow bye this is a we are great production for copa90